And we're going to pray for our search committee at the conclusion of our time together this morning. And uh, we're grateful for the work that they are doing. And uh, because it has been some time now since your former pastor uh, left, we're coming up on about 15 months there. And um, prior to that time, of course, uh, those of you who've been here for many years know there were some some not so easy years uh, here leading up to that time. And so what I want to do this morning, I just want to be honest with you and say that I have sensed just a little bit of fatigue. I have sensed maybe just a little bit of uh, folks in the church wondering when is uh, a new pastor going to be here uh, when are we going to get back to uh, to being the kind of church that that we once were? I'm just sensing a little bit of fatigue, maybe even a little bit of discouragement along the way. And you know that happens in life, and it certainly happens in the Christian life. So this morning, very proactively, I'm stepping aside from our study of the life and times of Elijah to spend some time with you this morning in the 12th chapter of the book of Hebrews. And I'm calling this, for lack of a better uh, way to put it, a spiritual vitamin B12 shot. You know, we just need that sometimes, don't we? Can we be honest? Sometimes the journey gets hard. Sometimes it gets long. And sometimes we get tired and we begin to ask ourselves, do I really want to hang in here? Do I really want to stick in through, through this time or would it just be easier to, to do something else? And so this morning, I want to just spend some time speaking specifically and directly to this issue. I hope in a way that will be encouraging to you and to me. So let's pray together this morning uh, before we begin. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful for this day you've given us. And Lord, I'm just energized. I'm excited this morning as I, as I saw this video of these little ones, this next generation that you're raising up out of this congregation. Uh, Lord, I thank you for those youngest ones in our preschool, for those in our children's ministry this morning, for our students both middle school and high school, and then our college ministry as well. God, you are raising up a new generation. And for those of us who've been here a while, who look back to those years, uh, Lord, I pray that you will impress upon our hearts this morning our role, our responsibility to encourage these younger generations, Lord, to recognize what you're doing in their lives. And Lord, even be willing for us to step back a little bit and let these folks come to the forefront for the sake of your kingdom, for the sake of what you're wanting to do in this church, in this community, in our nation, and among the nations. And so, Lord, this morning, I pray for your Holy Spirit to encourage, to bring renewal, a sense of, of revival in our midst as we've been praying for week after week after week. And Lord, as we wait on the arrival of the man who will come and lead this congregation, Lord, may we not flag in our efforts. May we not drop out. May we not give up. May we not grow tired or weary 
or discouraged. So Lord, use this time this morning to do something new in us is the prayer that we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the women's winner in the 1980 Boston Marathon was a Cuban-American woman by the name of Rosie Ruiz. Now, Rosie finished that 26-mile marathon in a blistering time of two hours, 31 minutes, and 56 seconds. It was the fastest female time ever in the Boston Marathon, and it was also the third fastest recorded time female time in any marathon, anywhere. And Rosie made it look very easy. When she crossed the finish line, she was barely sweating. Her face was hardly flushed. Her hair was still perfectly styled. And on top of that, this was only the second marathon that Rosie had ever run in. She had no coach. She had no regular workout schedule. In fact, while other runners were putting in 120 miles of road work every week, Rosie was doing her training on an exercise bike. While the rest of the runners were carefully monitoring their diet, Rosie was packing in the burgers and the fries. <laughs> when questioned about how in the world she managed to come in first, Rosie said, and I quote, well, I guess I just woke up with an extra burst of energy this morning. <laughs> Race officials were highly suspect, however, partly because of Rosie's unsweaty nonchalance and partly because no one Neither other runners nor spectators could even remember seeing Rosie for the first 25 miles of that race. Witnesses later confirmed that Rosie had burst out of the crowd along the sidelines just one mile from the finish line. It was later discovered that she had covered most of the distance of the Boston Marathon on the subway. She was therefore disqualified, <laughs> and her medal was taken away. What's the lesson? I listen to this carefully. If you don't run the whole race, you don't get the prize. If you don't run the whole race, you don't get the prize. Over and over again, in this book, God's Word, the Christian life is described as a race. In fact, for the Apostle Paul, this is his favorite metaphor for describing the Christian life. Look at some of the verses here that are in your message guide. I, I put some in there for you. Acts 20, 24, Paul said, if only I may finish the race and complete the task that the Lord has given me. Second Timothy chapter 4 verse 7, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. The Christian life church is a race. There is a starting line and there is a 
finish line. You step up to the starting line when you invite Jesus Christ to come into your life and take up residence there as your personal Lord and Savior. When you say, Jesus, I confess my sinfulness to you. I ask for your forgiveness. I invite you into my life to be my Savior, to be the absolute Lord. I enthrone you as King of Kings in my life. At that moment, the starting gun fires and you begin your race. And church, the race does not end. You do not cross the finish line. Until either you die or Jesus returns to this earth, whichever comes first. And what we need to understand is that there is an object and there is a purpose to this race. Do you know what it is? Do you know what the object of this race is? What the purpose of this race is? It is not just to get to the finish line. Church, the object and the purpose of this race is to win. See, most people who enter a race eventually get to the finish line. Rosie Ruiz got to the finish line, but she didn't win because she didn't run the whole race. See, the purpose of the Christian life is not just to get to the finish line. It's to win. It's to cross that finish line and hear the judge of the universe say to you and say to me, well done. You ran a great race. You gave me everything you had to give. You didn't hold anything back. You ran hard all the way. And you won. That's why I love 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24. Look at what it says. You've all been to the stadium and you've seen the athletes race. Everyone runs, one wins. Run to win. Run to win. Again, the object of this race, church, is to win. So what happens between the starting line and the finish line is critical. It is intensely important. And while I'm speaking this morning specifically to us as the congregation of Taylor's First Baptist Church, you can take this message and apply it to your own individual life and the things that you may be going through as an individual follower of Jesus Christ this morning. And so to help us understand What happens between the starting line and the finish line, we're going to look at this great 12th chapter of the book of Hebrews. Now, this chapter is all about the race. And the central thesis statement of the chapter is found in the last part of verse 1. I have it there for you. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Church, we are in a race We're in a race as a congregation. We're in a race as individual followers of Jesus Christ. And listen to me, I want you to win. More importantly, God wants you to win. So, let's look at some things this morning 
in Hebrews chapter 12. You follow along in, in your message guide there, and, and let's see what we can learn about the race that we're in. I want to begin by sharing some things with you about the nature of this race. A couple of things that are important here, and here's the first one. In this race, I don't get to design the course. Did you know that? I don't get to design the course of my race. You don't get to design the course of your race. The course we're running is not our course to design. The course I'm running on, the course you're running on. Look at Hebrews chapter 12 verse 1 again. It does not say, let us run the race that we set before us. It says, let us run the race that is set before us. That means that somebody else is designing the course we're running on. Somebody else has laid out our race. Anybody want to guess who that is? It's God, right? I, you see that clearly in the two words used here in the Amplified Version where it reads, let us run the appointed course of the race that is set before us. Our course, our race is run on a divinely appointed course. This is basic. This is foundational. And I can promise you, if you don't get this, you will not win the race. It is not our job to design the course. Our job is to run the race. Fact number two, and you're going to love this one. This race is designed... To be hard. Did you know that? This divinely appointed course we are running on is designed by God to be hard. How do I know that? Well, look at Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 again, the amplified version, and the full verse reads, Let us run. With patient endurance and steady and active persistence, the appointed course of the race that is set before us. I need to tell you this morning, we don't need patient endurance and steady and active persistence if the race is designed to be easy. We only need those things if the race is designed to be hard. In fact, the very word Paul uses here that is translated race comes from the Greek word agon. Do you see we get our English word agony from that? 
In other words, Paul is saying literally let us run with patient endurance and steady and active persistence the appointed agony that is set before us. We don't like this. But we need to understand this morning that the divinely appointed course you and I are running on as individual believers and the people of God here at Taylor's First Baptist Church, this course is designed by God to be hard, strenuous, difficult. And we don't especially like that. And that's why many times we find ourselves having some... (laughs) some rather spirited conversations with God about the way he has set up the course and designed the race. God, this is not comfortable. God, this is not preferable. God, I would have never done it this way. God, if you'll just let me, I'll be glad to show you how we can enhance the experience of this race by improving the design of the course. But we don't get to do that. Let me tell you what I think we would do if we were designing the course. Well, I tell you what I would do if I was designing the course. First of all, I would eliminate all of the hurdles. I mean, there there would not be any obstacles on a course that I designed. Nothing that was going to require additional exertion for me or that was going to be in my way that I was going to have to try to figure out how to get over or how to get around. There would be no obstacles on a track that we designed. Second, I'd probably eliminate the turns as well. That that way I'd be able to look all the way down the course and see where I'm headed from the very beginning. And and, and I would be able to know exactly how things are going to end up from the start. And then finally, I would probably design the course so that it ran downhill all the way. (laughs) Right? Eliminate as much of the physical, emotional, spiritual exertion as I possibly could. We would do that, right? Of course we would. Why? Because we think the most important thing is to get to the finish line. No. The important thing is to win. And you can win, church. No matter how difficult, no matter how challenging... No matter how confusing the race may seem to be, if you learn how to run, you can win. How do you learn how to win? Well, you learn from the best and most most awesome runner who has ever run a race. And that is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is our example in the race. So let's look at this for just a moment. My example in the race, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Let us keep our eyes, now while we're running this agonizing, challenging, hard, difficult race, while we're running this race, Paul said, or the the author of Hebrews says, let us keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, on whom our faith depends from beginning to 
end. Let us keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. Now, let me tell you what I believe this means. What, what we usually understand this to mean is something like this. When I'm running my race and my race gets hard, then I need to keep my eyes on Jesus and not lose sight of Jesus because he will encourage me, he will help me if I just keep my focus on him. Sort of like, if you remember, the story of Peter walking on water. You remember that story, right? As long as he kept his eyes on Jesus, all of the tough stuff, all of the, the storm that was raging around him didn't overtake him and he was able to continue moving toward Jesus. But when he took his eyes off Jesus, when he began to look at all of the stuff going on around him, what happened? He began to sink, and the lesson from that is, if we stay focused on Jesus, then we can navigate through the storms of life. Now, church, that's true, but that is not the lesson here in Hebrews chapter 12. Here's what the writer in Hebrews chapter 12 is saying. When your race gets hard, keep constantly reminding yourself of how Jesus ran his race. Constantly keep Jesus' example before your eyes. Remember how he ran his race and you run your race the same way. Why? Because he won. He won. I love how the message, how Peterson in the message fleshes this out. Let's just look at verses 2 through 4. Keep your eyes on Jesus who both began and finished this race we're in. Study how he did it. Because he never lost sight of where he was headed. That exhilarating finish in and with God. He could put up with anything along the way. Cross. Shame. Whatever. And now he's there in the place of honor right alongside God. So when you find yourselves flagging in your faith. Go over that story again, item by item, that long litany of hostility that Jesus plowed through because that will shoot adrenaline into your souls. Man, I love that. Sometimes we just need a shot of spiritual adrenaline. So look at Jesus' example. All right, listen, he ran a hard race, an agonizing race. In fact, it was a harder race, a more agonizing race, a more painful race than you and I will ever be called upon to run. But he endured, he persevered in his race, and he won. And let me tell you, if we're going to endure, if we're going to persevere, if we're going to win our race, then we need to learn some things this morning. Some from the example of Jesus himself, who endured, who persevered, who didn't grow discouraged and weary and drop out. He pressed on, he finished the race, and he won. So what are some things I need to learn this morning if I'm going to win my race? Let me go through them with you quickly this morning. Number one, 
when my race gets hard, when it gets agonizing, I need to learn to trust God's purposes. I need to learn to trust God's purposes, His plan. Here, if we look at Hebrews chapter 12, we're going to see that what enabled Jesus to persevere through the agony of his race was that he understood that God had a plan, he had a purpose behind the pain. That's why the author of Hebrews tells us something that at first glance seems to be absolutely amazing, even unbelievable. It says, speaking of Jesus, for the joy that was set before him He endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. For the joy that was set before him. Where did the joy come from? Well, it certainly didn't come from the cross. The cross wasn't a joy. The cross was agony. This verse does not say Jesus enjoyed the cross. It says he endured the cross. However, he was able to endure the agony of the cross with an attitude of joy because he knew God had a plan. He knew that after the cross and through the cross, God was going to do something incredible. He knew that beyond the cross, there was going to be an awesome victory. He understood that God had a powerful plan, a powerful purpose that he was working out through the cross. So he was able to keep running. He was able to endure and he won. Listen, when the race gets hard, you don't have to like the fact that it's hard. You don't have to like the fact that it's agony. You can talk to God about that. You can talk to God about the agony. You can question the difficulty. Jesus did. You remember his question from the cross. God, have you forsaken me? Maybe you felt like that. Maybe we've felt like that as a congregation. God, have you just forsaken us? Here we are after many years, now 15 months of an interim. Have you forsaken us? But after the questioning, after the struggle, you've got to be able to endure. You can't quit. You can't drop out. You can't give up. Why? Because if you do, you will not win. You will not get the prize. God always has a purpose. He always has a plan behind the difficulty, the struggle, the agony. And we've got to trust God's plan, trust God's purpose that he is up to something in the struggle. And if we want to win the prize, we've got to run the whole race. Until we get to the finish line. Number one, I must learn to trust God's purposes. Number two, I must learn to see God's heart. This is so important. Because I can promise you, if you don't see God's heart in the race, you'll never trust His purposes. 
when the race gets hard, when the divinely appointed course that, that we're running on becomes agonizing, you've got to understand that what God is doing, he is doing because he loves you, because he is preparing you for something better. I love verses 5 through 8 here. Don't feel sorry for yourselves. Or have you forgotten how good parents treat children, and that God regards you as his children. It's the child he loves that he disciplines. It's the child he embraces that he corrects. God is educating you. That's why you must never drop out. He's treating you as his children. Anybody who has been a parent understands That when you try to train a child, when your heart of love leads you to try to mold and shape that child, that child is not going to enjoy the things that you have to do sometimes. They're going to say, Mom, Dad, this isn't right. This isn't fair. I don't understand this. Why are you doing this to me? And I always said to my kids, it's because I love you. You understand that, right, as parents? Sometimes we have to make our kids deal with some hard stuff because we love them. And our vision extends beyond the moment to their future and what is going to be best for them. So when our race gets hard, when it becomes agonizing, ladies and gentlemen, we have got to see God's heart. We are his children. He loves us. And the things he puts us through, he puts us through because he is wanting to train us. And he has more than the moment in mind. He has the future and the rest of our lives on his heart. So we've got to trust his plan. We've got to see his heart. And then thirdly, We've got to embrace God's goal. Verses 9 through 11, our parents corrected us for the short time of our childhood as it seemed good to them, but God corrects us. (laughs) Do you see this? God corrects us throughout our lives for our own good, giving us an invitation to share in His holiness. Now, all discipline seems to be more pain than pleasure at the time, yet later it will produce a transformation of character, bringing a harvest of righteousness and peace to those who yield to it. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the goal. This is the prize. This is what it means to win the race. All of life, for those of us who knew Jesus Christ, is designed to be a progression of growth In holiness, a transforming, continual transforming of our characters so that we become more and more like Jesus. And I can promise you the only way you will ever become more like Jesus, the only way I will ever become more like Jesus is when we find ourselves going through the same things he went through. I can promise you, you will never learn to forgive until you know what it's like to be deeply hurt. You will never learn to love like Jesus until you felt the sting of rejection. You will never learn to serve others like Jesus until someone repeatedly treats you like you're a servant. 
And you'll never learn to endure like Jesus until you face prolonged difficulty, heartache, disappointment, frustration. Listen, God wants you and he wants me to be like his son so he sends challenges and difficulties and hard times and pain as vehicles to build holiness and Christ's likeness into our lives. And I want to I tell you what I'm praying today, right now, for every one of you and for me. I'm praying that we will this morning make the commitment to God and make the commitment to this church that we are in this race to win. That we believe the course we're running on is God's appointed course. We're going to accept the fact that it is designed to be hard, that we're looking to Jesus to give us that shot of spiritual adrenaline. And we're going to trust God's plan. We're going to look for God's heart. We're going to embrace God's goal of transformation and holiness and becoming more like Jesus. And we're going to run this race to the end. We're not going to stop. We're not going to give up. We're not going to drop out. We are going to win this race. So let me leave you with a few instructions, you racers. You didn't know this morning that you're a racer. Well, you are. And let me give you just a few final instructions. These are important. Right out of the text... And particularly what you have been through as a congregation over the last few years and particularly over the last 15 months, you need to hear these very carefully. All right, here we go. Number one, get free. Get free. You've got to go all the way back to verse 1 of Hebrews 12 to see this, but here's what it says. Let us throw off, get rid of everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Two things the writer of Hebrews says we got to get free from if we're going to run this race and win. Number one, there are some things that hinder us, and number two, there is the sin that entangles us. Now, when the race gets hard, when it gets difficult, when it gets agonizing, there are a lot of things that can hinder us. Hurt, disappointment, confusion, feelings of rejection, feeling like Nobody understands how I feel. What, whatever load you may be carrying around with you this morning because of the events of the last several years in this church or from your own individual life, whatever those things may be that you're carrying around with you right now, I can promise you they're slowing you down and you need to jettison those things. You need to throw them off. You need to get rid of them because they're going to hinder you and they're going to keep you from winning. You just got to decide this morning. I'm done with that. They're not only things that can hinder us, there's also the sin 
the writer says, that entangles us. Let me tell you, when the race gets hard, when it gets difficult, when it becomes agonizing, there are sinful actions and sinful attitudes that we have got to watch out for. Anger at God, maybe anger at somebody else, bitterness, resentment, jealousy, you name it. Those things will not help you win the race. In fact, if they're left unchecked, let me tell you what's going to happen. They're going to disqualify you. You're going to win this race. You've got to get free of these things. You've got to throw them off. Get rid of them. They do not belong on the course. Get free. Get rid of them. Then after you get free, get right. Get right. Let let me tell you, tough times can cause us to get sloppy in our relationships. That includes our relationship with God and our relationships with other people. And we need to make sure those relationships are right. Because when we're hurt, when we're disappointed, when we're frustrated, when we become angry, maybe disillusioned, we get weary, there's a tendency for us to look at certain people and blame them or allow barriers to come up between us. And our relationships suffer with with other people. Our relationship with God suffers. And we need to be vigilant in making sure that those relationships are right. I love verses 14 and 15. In every relationship, be swift to choose peace over competition. That's a good word. Can I just be blunt this morning? I, I have sensed sometimes in the life of this church, there's some competition going on between generations. We like it this way. No, we like it this way. We expect this to be done. No, we expect that to be done. I want you to understand that the Word of God says and says very clearly here, would you choose peace over competition? I'm going to tell you, you're not going to get anywhere in the race till you do that. And run swiftly toward holiness. That's talking about your relationship with God. For those who are not holy will not see the Lord. Now look at the tenderness of these words. Watch over each other. Make sure that no one misses the revelation of God's grace. Can we show some grace? The grace of God to one another. And make sure no one lives with the root of bitterness sprouting within them, which will only cause trouble and poison the hearts of many. If you've got bitterness within you, it's not just your problem. You create a problem for everybody else around you. Get right. I'm going to tell you, if if you don't keep your relationships right, you're going to lose touch with God. Bitterness is going to begin to rise up. And everything good that God wants to do in your life, and everything good God wants to do in the life of this congregation will be lost. Get free, get right, and then for heaven's sake, get going. See, when the race gets hard and difficult, when you're tired, it's easy to become discouraged to the point that, you know, I just don't feel like putting forth any effort anymore. I'm just going to quit. I'm going to give up. I'll find another church. I'll, I'll do something else. 
You cannot let that happen or you will never win the race. Hebrews 12, 12, therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and your weak knees. Make level paths for your feet. Watch this. So that the lame may not be disabled, but rather be healed. Listen, there comes a time when the race gets hard. When you're hurting, when you're tired, when you're discouraged, that you've got a choice to make. You can, you can allow this to cause you to become totally disabled or you can decide you want to be healed. What do you want to do? You want to become disabled? Just limp along for the rest of your life or do you want to be healed? And if you want to be healed, then you've got to get up and start doing the things you know God wants and expects you to do to win this race. Do you see that word strengthen? That is a command. It means it's not optional. It's in the active voice. That means this is something I must do. Nobody else can strengthen strengthen my feeble arms and weak knees. I've got to do this for myself. And the word literally means to lift something up and restore its motion. I've got to get going. Can I just share some good things with you this morning very quickly as I keep an eye on time here? There are a lot of good things going on in the life of this church. We took the TCAT and revealed some things that we've been working on very diligently here. Um, You've seen some of those things. We've begun a renewed emphasis on prayer, a renewed emphasis on leadership development. Our life groups are strong. We've sent out multiple reach teams into our community, the nation, and the nations this year. All kinds of activities going on in Taylor's through our Love Taylor's emphasis. We've had 75 new members join our congregation this year. Our finances are strong. The search committee is continuing its hard work. There is a new pastor on the way. I can promise you that. There's a lot of good stuff going on in the life of this church. That we need to be excited about, grateful to the Lord for. So we just got to get going. We got to keep doing what we know God has called us to do. There are no shortcuts. And if you don't run the whole race, you're not going to win the prize. And so I'm asking you this morning, I'm begging you this morning, I'm appealing to you this morning from the pages of God's Word. Let's not be satisfied with just limp into the finish line. Let's get in this race to win. I'm going to ask our search committee to come up here up front right now. We're going to pray for them and we're going to conclude our service this morning with a season of prayer. We're not going to do our standard invitation. And I want to invite you, if God leads you, as the search committee comes right up here to the front... Uh, and see if y'all can kind of squeeze right here and leave, leave the sides of the altar open. Maybe, maybe some of you just want to come to the altar this morning and say, you know what, Lord? I'm tired. I'm weary. I, I've allowed myself to become discouraged. So right now, today, this morning, I make the commitment to hang in there, to persevere. I'm in this race to win. I'm in this race to win. I trust your plan. I see your heart. I embrace your goal. And this morning, I'm going to get free. I'm going to get right. And with God's help, I'm going to get going. So right now, I'm going to ask you to join me in standing.
If God's spoken to your heart, you want to come to this altar or you want to come up here and stand beside one of these members of this search committee, then come on right now. We're going to have a time of prayer as we conclude our service time this morning. God's spoken to you. And you need to make that step of faith this morning to finish this race, to run, to win. Then I beg you, you can stay where you are. But if God leads you to come down front, then would you make this your altar this morning, your place of commitment this morning? That we're in this race to win.